The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of myself and my guests and do not reflect those of the Walt Disney Company or anyone else's employers. What's the first thing that pops into your head when I say Chip and Dale? I bet it's these guys! But certainly the second would be those rascally cartoon chipmunks, Chip and Dale. What if I did something like... I am into nuts! <laughs> good, good, I love it. Great stuff! Woo! Just want to remind you guys, I'll be at FanCon this afternoon. Hey, watch out! I'm keeping myself fit and, you know, my updated modern look. Don't you think you'd have more fans here if Chip did these events with you? I hadn't thought about him in a while. I should give him a call. See how life's treating him. Life is the worst. Which is why you need good insurance. <sighs> a message on my landline. I don't like that. You're still mad about Rescue Rangers getting canceled, but I just got a call from the police and I need your help. I searched the perimeter. No clues. Why would there be? Six missing tunes in a month and not one clue. Oh no! Chip! Dale, you look different. It's no secret I had the CGI surgery. What's been up with you? You know, this, that, other vague things to fill the space of this conversation. Cool. We can see what we can find out and then pass it along to the officer, but that's all we're gonna do. So you're saying the Rescue Rangers are back? Yes! <laughs> you two come poking around where you don't belong, and I can't have that. Run! I got him! <laughs> What are you looking at? Honestly, your weird dead eyes. <laughs> Over here. Go get him. This is awesome. <laughs> I was always more of an Alvin and the Chipmunks person. You monster. It was like professional. <gasps> Same time. <gasps> Jinx! You owe me a non-brand specific cola. What? That was crazy! <gasps> Somebody call Guinness Book! <gasps> this is incredible! Oh, we lost it. special 50th episode extravaganza here on the podcast without a cool acronym the podcast where we talk about disney television animation shows and sometimes they're very insane um disney plus original movie adaptations that are like basically a spiritual roger rabbit sequel i'm your host Charlotte Arochet. joining me on the podcast today via zoom we have d gill I can't imagine why you had such a specific also added to this one night. I have no idea why. <laughs> Micah Hirsch? Back in the 90s, I was in a very famous TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan Mead. Oh, Bajra. All right. So, 
Um, yes, the, of course, the, the sometimes was in reference to this movie. Um, so we haven't covered the original um, Rescue Rangers show on here yet. Um, but really quick, I feel like it would be good to go through what is everyone here's connection to the Rescue Rangers, the original series? I know it existed. <laughs> That's it. That's about where I am. I know it existed, and uh, uh, more specifically... And I know that there's a Russian cult based around gadgets. <laughs> yes. Yes, there is uh, There is a roller coaster at um, at Toontown and at Disneyland it. that is themed to Gadget. And that's all that I really... And does the roller coaster also have a Russian cult around it? I mean, probably. Probably. Which, I, the Gadget's Go Coaster, I have chain-ridden before, and it's a treat. Because it's such, just a quick little roller coaster, but it's... You think, you know, oh, it's a kid's coaster, so it's just going to have, you know, like one hill but no it's actually surprisingly kind of fun yeah, as far those, as you know kids coasters go those vacoma junior coasters are pretty fun um like, that's the same kind of ride them. that you have with like flight of the hippogriff and uh woody woodpecker and um the barnstormer they're all basically mm. the same layout um as for my connections uh to chippendale rescue rangers i remember the show existed and I remember the NES game was very fun. And I remember I once had a Rescue Rangers themed birthday. I can remember there were Rescue Rangers cake plates and everything. But other than that, and the Russian gadget cult, like I mentioned, that's pretty much where I am as far as the show, uh, show goes. I'm going to be sharing some tidbits with some of the interviews that the writers and the director of the movie gave, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to be on here. And I'll say they said that they intentionally chose Rescue Rangers for the specifically because it's a mid-level remember Disney TVA show and that it doesn't have the same cultural cachet as DuckTales. It's like in the place where people know it existed so that they, it gives them more leeway to play around with it. They said one of the things people would say when they were saying, we're doing a Rescue Rangers movie was, oh, I love the Rescuers. <laughs> yeah isn't that appropriate because didn't didn't wasn't the impetus behind the show what wasn't it going to be a rescuers tv show and then it got it was, into it was going to be a rescuers tv show and then they decided to make it an original animal based crime fighting slash rescue society and then michael eisner himself said hey you should put chip and day on this show sure why not my kids like that gummy bear candy. Make Never question the wisdom of the guy who came up with the gummy bears. You know, my kid really likes those gummy bear candies. Could you make a show about that? All hail our patron saint, Kevin Perjurer. <laughs> it's this so, there, friends. As we all know, um, <laughs> before this, we had the 2017 um, reboot of DuckTales on Disney XD and Disney Channel, which was absolutely mm. fantastic. And... Oh. I think we all wish it probably could have gone on for another season because it was so good. Uh, I mean, if they wanted to do another season, I mean, Murloc is right there. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, they kind of burned off all the big mystical threats like Magic of Dispel and yeah. the Phantom Blot. Oh, good heavens, the Phantom Blot. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, they kind of did something similar to... Uh, what everyone kind of thought this movie was going to do where they brought back a lot of those old characters specifically yeah. like as they got later in the show in like season three they had uh, a cameo from the rescue rangers in there yes they almost mm. weren't allowed to do it because this film was in production for over a decade and really? one of the 
Yes, and one of the showrunners said the Rescue Rangers were one of the characters that were specifically off limits because of this movie. And um, they mentioned that in one episode they wrote something. I'm not, uh, DuckTales 17 is one of those shows I have to go back and watch, but I know the vague details. It was like in one episode they ha had a hyper intelligent lab mouse and they were just writing it, that concept. And one of the showrunners basically said i can't see this lab mouse as anyone but gadget from rescue rangers let's just try to sneak them in there as a non-speaking cameo and if disney corporate asks us to take them out we'll do it right away they didn't <laughs> oh that's that's uh i'm glad that they were able to get away with that because that was a fun little uh fun little non-speaking cameo but um mm. uh, yeah so this mm. movie was in development for a decade i didn't know that neither did i but uh not to get further into my thoughts but Yep, explains a lot. Explains a whole <laughs> lot. Um, basically, the premise of it is that in this universe, um, the Rescue Rangers was a TV show, and um, Chip and Dale met as kids in uh, like elementary school in the eighties, um, mm -hmm. and then they had their own show. And they kind of ended up splitting, and you know, they kind of ended up parting ways as a result of um as a result of dale trying to get his own um ill-advised show that was canceled after the pilot because of course it was and then an old friend goes missing years later and they need to try to solve the mystery of what happened and basically the i think a lot of what we're going to get into in this episode is going to be nitpicking the hell out of this universe yeah <laughs> i mean i think it's one of those things where it's like you know when you're watching it you kind of can't question too much because it's sort of like the cars universe where if you start thinking about it it immediately falls apart i mean okay at the risk of annihilating all credibility that i have built up the Cars universe makes a degree of sense if you do think about it. It's uh, it makes about as much sense as you know, like Zootopia does. Yeah, it's just anthropomorphic cars, anthropomorphic animals. You think about too much, either either too much, and then yeah, you start to notice some kind of dark, uh, darker implications to both worlds. And yet Zootopia gets a pass for some reason. I I don't understand that. Because. Uh... It's easier to imagine animals fucking than it is to imagine uh, cars fucking. I don't that's know. True. I mean, two yes, shares. But that's not the main thing that I'm thinking about when I'm watching a Disney movie. Yes. <laughs> because I'm not really one of those people that draws people. weird rule 34 art on DeviantArt. But, anyways. Oh, Disclaimer, God. If you even, are one of even that, I'm like, so how, how does that work? I don't know. The cartoons, that one, that one can just be written off as their cartoons. There's way more confusing stuff than that one thing. Um, <laughs> if a rabbit and a bunny can get together, and who knows if they could have children or not, we never find out, um, then anything's possible with tunes. Um, that didn't really bother me as much. I thought that was just a, a silly, absurd thing. Oh yeah, a absurd is definitely the name of the game on this one. It swings for the fences hard into just having this topsy-turvy crazy world where anyone and any kind of animated tune can pop up anywhere. And it's more about, you know, they're not concerned with the world making sense. They're concerned with how many jokes and references can we fit on screen at any given moment. And I do really like that. 
Um, but I think as a result, you know, any kind of emotional beats they try to go for, it's like, you know, it doesn't land as hard as even in something like the Lego movie. I'd say it falls flat, but we all know it's a filthy lie that there's a ton of uh, 2D animation in this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's not really going for pathos, but I did like the relationship between Chip and Dale, but it's uh, definitely coming from a place of meta commentary. As oh, yeah, Absolutely as their whole relationship and how they fix it, mend it, is meant to be a meta-commentary about not only this movie, but re uh, reboots in general. Um, is it, you know, is it, are people expecting us just to do the same thing over and over again, or should we move to on and do something new? Or should we try something different? And I gotta respect that, because they really did. They did something completely different from, obviously, the original show by having it be you know, the, the show is a show and we're going from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you want to get into plot synopsis and kind of go from there? Uh, uh, sure. I, I, I just want to start because there are a couple things in the first act that I want to point out. So Okay, yeah, go for it. Okay, it's 1982, and in this world where we can already see that humans and cartoon characters live in the same universe, and so nobody bats an eyebrow, um, but, um, uh, we meet this uh, young chipmunk named Chip who's, uh, who's anxious to go to school, and he happens to uh, be meeting a new classmate who is also a chipmunk named Dale, and he basically tries too hard to make friends by doing goofy things like pretending he gouged his eye out with a pencil and everyone is you know you're just trying too hard and yeah. he's dejected and nobody's going to sit at the lunch table with him but nobody's going to sit at the lunch table with ship either so the two of them end up sitting together at the same table and they make uh they soon become fast friends um Time passes and the two of them move to Hollywood and attempt to make their big break. After a few uh, side pieces like a guest in on Full House and a cameo in a deodorant commercial, they finally get the big call they were waiting for, the TV show Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, there are some interesting tidbits about this uh, introduction part that I want to point out. The first is uh, the voice on the telephone that says that they're going to get their own show is actually the creator of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tad Stones. So oh, that's I awesome. Thought he sounded I, familiar. That's awesome. I thought it was pretty cool that he got to make a voice cameo because I know he also made a cameo in the DuckTales arc that featured Darkwing Duck, which is also yeah. created. So it's pretty cool uh, that they um, that they did that. And there's also a very funny bit where they show a fake Rescue Rangers episode, which is supposedly what Rescue Rangers was in this universe. And supposedly um, it's a combination of like the actual show, but also like a corny 80s cop drama thing. Like the in this universe, the plot of every episode is exactly the same. Fat Cat is chasing the Rescue Rangers. Chip stalls him by knocking Dale over the head and causing fat cat to try to catch the imaginary birds that are circling overhead they capture fat cat and it ends with that classic detective trope of someone making a lousy joke and all the heroes laughing at it as we fade to black geez if people complain about phineas and fur being formulaic 
<laughs> Actually, that was a bit more of a formula common to um, 80s cartoons in general. Ninja Turtles was big on this. Uh, Garfield and Friends was big on this. Uh, you, you could practically throw a rock and land on an 80s cartoon that, that, that did that. Oh, yeah. The interesting thing about this sequence is that it was actually very well done. It's all new animation, but it actually does look like uh, 80s TV animation. And they mentioned that they actually showed that fake Chippendale episode sequence to Tad Stones for his approval. And, uh, and he he loved it. He said they really nailed the look of the original show. So. I also mm -hmm. just love that um, Tad Stones was on Twitter saying that people were basically calling him a shill for saying that he liked the movie. I'm like, are you kidding? me i know heaven uh, forfend that we like things on the internet <laughs> wow i can't believe the creator of the original rescue rangers likes the new movie what a concept um so um and you know basically they're on top of the world they're celebrities and in in one of the bits that was in the trailer but it was um, they're at a party with Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat, which is <laughs> another one of those weird deep dives. Doing mm. the Roger Rabbit with the with Roger Rabbit. And uh, the writers and the director of the film said trying to get Roger Rabbit himself into the film was something they strove for, even if it was just a brief cameo, because, you know, there's been complications with him over the years, but they said he was like the holy grail of cameos, so they were glad to get him. And the nice thing is not only did Charlie Fleischer return to do his voice, but they actually got one of the animators who worked on the original Who Framed Roger Rabbit to animate his cameo. Hell yes, I love that. I love hearing that. And of course, for further tidbits on the legal tug of war that has been Roger Rabbit between Disney and Amblin, uh, watch the Escape from Vault Disney episode on the Roger Rabbit shorts. Or you can listen or, to the episode of my podcast. Or I was going to say, or rather listen to it because it's a podcast. <laughs> oh, right. Plug up, plug up. Watch the audio file. Watch the audio file. <laughs> I did an interview with Gary. I mean, uh, it's, it's sort of an interview, sort of a review of the movie with Gary K. Wolf on my podcast. This isn't actually about Roger Rabbit, but we did it for April Fool's Day. So consistently throughout that experience, how hard were you trying not to just completely fanboy out in front of them? Um, I don't know. I think, uh, well, between the three of us, the three of us and three of us that weren't Gary K. Wolf. Uh, mm. Um. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was Tony, Kyle, me, and him. Ah, nice. That must have been fun. Okay. So the day after the third season wrap party after they've finished commenting you know thinking about all the good times and doing the roger rabbit with roger rabbit uh chip and dale uh retire to their trailer for the day and dale basically drops a bombshell onto chip is that he has um he has he's going to film a pilot for a, a potential new series called double o dale uh which which is kind of an in joke which i i kind of has a, a lot of interesting things in it. I don't know if it was intentional, but there are like two different things that it might be referring to at the same time. Apparently there actually was an episode of the original Rescue Rangers show called Double O'Dale, but the first huh. thing I thought of is the origin story of Darkwing Duck. Now, uh, that's yes. 
that's an interesting story in itself, but to make a long story short, Darkwing Duck was originally supposed to be a reboot of Rocky and Bullwinkle because the head of D Disney TVA thought that Disney owned the rights to the characters, but it turned out that on the day they were Tad Stones of the team were supposed to pitch it, he found out they only owned the VHS rights. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I actually I actually owned those VHS growing up. I love those. Yes, they were actually responsible for a huge revival of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Disney attempted to get the theme park rights as a result, but Universal you know, got them. I was going to say that that's another thing that you can buy the VHS that are owned by Disney, but if you want to ride a theme park ride based on it, you have to go to Universal. Yeah. Or watch the movie based on it, you got to go to Universal. Depend, um, depend, I think David Gamble did a whole video about this. Yeah, in this. the case of Jay Ward, Jay Ward movies are all over the place. Yeah. Rocky mm -hmm. Bullwinkle is Universal, yeah. Uh, that Jay Ward has many fingers and many pies, I swear. Yes. Uh, Jay Are any of them Boysenberry? In the 90s, Disney was just making all these movies out of old, uh, older cartoons that they didn't actually own. <laughs> mm. Like like George of the Jungle and Mr. Magoo and Inspector Gadget and Popeye. <laughs> I think Popeye. Yeah, Popeye but... yeah, it was early 80s, but close. Yes. Okay. So anyway, after they found out that they didn't own the rights to Bullwinkle, they had to come up with something new on the exact same day to pitch. And they came up with an idea called Double O Duck, which was the title itself came from an episode of DuckTales where Launchpad becomes a secret agent. And they got uh, an advertisement the in the trade papers. Mm -hmm. Here, Disney has a new cartoon called Double O Duck, and they have this picture of a duck in a white tuxedo. And then they got a cease and desist letter from the producers of the James Bond movies saying, uh, this title infringes upon our 007 trademark. Please uh, change it immediately before we seek legal damages. And so they retooled the show. They made Double uh, O Duck's um, very litigious. <laughs> face puffier. And it's wild to think of Disney making these kind of mistakes. Like, imagine them making mistakes like that today. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> uh, they made uh, Double O Duck's face puffier. They kind of uh, threw in a bit of Batman noir superhero um, concept into the mix, and that's how we got Darkwing Duck. And they were going to call it Bat Duck, but then DC tried to see. Behold, the only lawyer team that makes Disney's fearsome lawyer team shake in their boots, Albert R. Broccoli's estate. Yeah. <laughs> you don't mess with the UK. Mm -mm. Yeah. yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> so, of course, Chip is like, you know, this is uh, this is a horrible idea. This could get our show canceled. Um, and Dale's like, well, I want, you know, I, I don't want to just be second banana all the time. And uh, Chip's like, we're, uh, we're, we're just two bananas. We're, we're both bananas. You know, we're, we're on the same level. There's not one of us that's better than the other. Um, and he basically fails at convincing Dale not to do this pilot. And the pilot happens. And of course, it doesn't get picked up. Yep, yeah, that's all it for just gets canceled. And the other important thing is that the argument that Dale uses uh, that he has to do this, it, it, 
he has to go out on his own and do his own show is something that Chip always said to him, which keep, which is a recurring theme that keeps coming up in the movie. Sometimes the biggest risk in the movie a lot risk at all. How explains why the movie exists pretty much. The biggest risk is taking no risk at all. Make a note of this quote. I'm gonna come back to it later. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to be the, the bundle of sunshine on this podcast. <laughs> so then we flash forward um, to today and um, Dale is basically um, a washed up has been trying to ride off of the success of the past uh, with a TikTok account. I know it's not TikTok, but I don't care. It's TikTok. Um, and <laughs> He's bit of an not... oblique burn there considering i just put up my own tiktok page oh well uh well, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a tiktok too uh i know i send you funny videos anyway um <laughs> and they 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 do it where they're introducing a star who is on the disney afternoon um and, and you think it's gonna be dale but of course it's not it's actually baloo but he's the cgi version from the jungle book which i'm like well the, why would they introduce him as you know being from the disney after he, he got surgery because he got the surgery and so basically anyone that does a reboot gets that cgi surgery but then here's the question is so what happens to like you know what happens to let's say so bell is a cartoon right Bell and Emma Watson exist in the same universe? How does that work? Um, Lumiere, Lumiere is still traditionally animated despite having had a reboot. Yeah, um, so Lumiere, mm -hmm. some, so Lumiere was on, not cast in the reboot. It depends. Sometimes they're cast in the reboot and get surgery, and sometimes they cast someone who's already CGI, maybe. Uh, maybe the originals are offered the role, but they don't want to go through the process of changing to CGI. I don't know. Makes makes about as much sense as um, makes about as much sense as Ugly Sonic being a separate entity from regular Sonic. Oh, good lord! <laughs> oh my god, I was not expecting that, and I, I, yeah, I, I, I was died laughing. That was that was so just just so out of left field. And it was hilarious. I love that. <laughs> Actually, kind of a funny thing about Sonic, I was in sort of a similar boat with Ugly Sonic as I was with a bunch of the cameos in Multiverse of Madness, where I was kind of poking around Wikipedia when I shouldn't have and caught the cast list and saw who was going to be in each movie. And I saw, oh, Ugly Sonic is in this movie. Okay. But I still go in to see the movie. And since I, I didn't read the plot, because I know better than to try and do that, it still didn't take away of the from the impact uh, their first scene had. Yeah. Because just like seeing ugly Sonic just right there, just kind of, yeah, okay, you're here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they did a good job making it look horrifying for sure. It's still just, I mean, this just highlights just, how insane this movie was from like a rights perspective just not only getting like all of these different characters but Apparently getting like paramount is not and sega are not uh mentioned in the credits of this movie yeah, yeah so I, there are 
other Paramount um, characters later on, like uh, Randy Marsh from South Park and a couple mm. others. So I'm guessing they're one of the studios who declined permission because uh, in one of the interviews, the director said they did get permission from Paramount to use Ugly Sonic. And they went into quite a lot of detail about Disney's legal department and all the rights and clearances they had to go through this film. Uh, they said they were very surprised and they were very lauded that um, uh, they were very pleased. Um, Tad Stones actually said at, at the pr premiere screening he went to, uh, they actually gave Disney's legal team a round of applause for being able to pull all this off. As they should have. <laughs> uh, they, but, they took them through the ins and outs of the D Disney legal process. No wonder it took a decade to get made. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the other things, which is which I felt was the case, they commented that not all of the cameos and references are authorized. Some of them actually fall under the uh, fair use by parody provision. And they commented that there were certain circumstances that where they were like, well, maybe we can't actually use this character but, you know, if you say it in this way or just tweak them a little bit, it kind of falls under the the concept that we're doing a parody that mocks the concept of the original, which is considered fair use. Um, Irving Berlin sued Mad Magazine over that uh, back mm -hmm. in the 50s. He came out of retirement and they, the Supreme Court basically said, well, there's no law that says you can make up that you can't make up a poem and say this is to be sung to the tune of there's no business like show business that's not an infringement of the original copyright and basically uh there have been cases after that that say basically if you if you're doing something in the style of the way mad magazine does it where you're using a copyrighted figure but you're doing it in a way that is mocking the conceit of what the original is then it's considered fair use so and the other interesting thing is that one of uh, the directors said in one interview that the one character he wasn't uh, able to get the rights to that he would have loved to have in the film was, as he basically put it, a CGI character from Star Wars that everyone probably would have loved to have seen. So I have a feeling that Jar Jar Binks was originally supposed to be the character that was that ugly Sonic ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> That would that would have made yeah that would have made a lot of sense to have and him there, but that, I think Ugly Sonic was a because really replacement. Matt, because at this point Disney owns Jar Jar Binks and they don't own Ugly. Well, I bet Disney might have said no to that. Yeah, yeah. probably just out of pity for Ahmed Best. Best. Poor guy's been yeah. through enough. Well, I think I think in that case, I you know if I was doing that and I had gotten permission to do it, I would have had him be like you know such a you know such an amazingly nice guy, just like Ahmed Best actually is in real life. He is. A very very cool guy yeah um and, and you know just have it be his normal voice too <laughs> yeah um because not to give anything away but as many people have been saying on twitter ugly sonic basically gets his redemption arc in in his his, <laughs> his plot thread throughout the film so i had a feeling that's why they wanted to do it uh to Jar Jar originally, give the guy the hero moment he finally deserves after all these years of ridicule. But yeah. It's like a reverse of the Scrappy thing that everyone thought this movie was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, a whole bunch of the cameos, how they were done, um, and in the various animation style and a few of the characters, 
they're... I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the cameos themselves. They're fine, but it just has a larger trend in the movie that bugged me and kept me from getting sucked into it very much. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm going to be critical of the movie, but I'm not going to be, you know, hypercritical, you know, like, this is the worst thing ever. Just like, no, it, it's, I, I'm just trying to, I, I don't want to criticize anybody for liking it. I just right. want to express my feelings and how right, I course. feel about it. Of course. Um... That having been said, this movie is extremely guilty of double dipping. It is very critical and plays fast and loose with a lot of, you know, negative trends in of of animation, like of, you know, like the Uncanny Valley sequence and, you know, kind of how uh, sometimes it looks, you know, realistic, but doesn't look right. Yeah. And yet it indulges in that trend regardless. And Dale is extremely guilty of this. I do not like Dale's 3D design. It has, frankly, it has a lot of the exact same issues I had with the CG Looney Tunes in Space Jam 2. Okay. I mean, push comes to shove, they got the shapes right, and he's animated fine. It's just I'm constantly distracted by the overabundance of realistic details and it's really hard to get sucked into the comedy or the zaniness of the situation when I'm too busy uh, looking at when Dale's teeth uh, retract and uh, contract or when uh, the or just counting how many hairs he has or noticing that he has blue eyes instead of the black eyes that everyone else has or yeah maybe that's just a realism that's, thing that's i don't the, know yeah that's the, the weird cgi thing no one's allowed to just have dot eyes unless it's like uh like uh uh the mitchells versus machines or one of those movies yeah people seem to think that they have to have irises in cgi movies yeah like even some to. even some modern animation is guilty of this uh high high uh super saiyan god goku <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think that, I think honestly, that was kind of intentional was to make him look like, you know, how a CG rendering done in the style of like, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks would look. Mm -hmm. More cartoony than Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, I think. It is. Yeah, I think it's, I think yeah, it looks better than, those, but... than Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Wait, what did you uh, say? And. and... I said less terrifying to me than Alvin and the Chipmunks are. Yeah, I, th I think his design looks better mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. those. Um, but it's kind of similar where it's the more photorealistic, but it's still obviously... And of course it's, not, it's, not, it's not like Lion King. It's not like that. It still oh, is very Alvin obviously and the, Alvin and the Chipmunks make an appearance in this. Mm -hmm. This is That's kind of and... skipping forward, but I, I, I thought the Seth Rogen joke with, <laughs> with all of his different characters showing up was kind of great. Yeah. Yeah, that got a chuckle out of me. That was pretty good. <laughs> and then, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh my god, they're referencing, it's just, sometimes it's just like, yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, so basically, um, basically, Chip is chasing, you know, chasing the past and the, the former fame. Um, so Dale is the one that's at the con. Meanwhile, um, Chip is an insurance agent. Yeah, which is funny because uh, there's two different characters in this movie that are played by insurance spokespeople. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. 
we'll get we'll get to that a little later. Um, but then um, but then Chip goes home and finds a voicemail message on his phone. He's like, "Ah, oh, voicemail. I don't like that." Um, and he plays it, and it's oh, sorry. it's Monterey Jack asking for help. Uh, and so he goes to uh, Monterey Jack's very nice apartment, mm-hmm. tiny apartment, because it's like a, it's like an apartment tower built for cartoon characters that are small, of course. Yeah. Anyone else got flashbacks to the miniature section of Zootopia? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, That's exactly what I was thinking. There was, um, and when he was going, when Chip was going to the tower, there was a cameo of a, I think, fairly obscure Disney character, uh, the from the Little House. Oh yeah, which is a forty short. I will say, if there's one thing that I would have liked to have seen, Roger Rabbit. There's one thing I would have liked to have seen more of from the world building in this movie. Um, you know, I I think in Zootopia you get a little a little bit more of a grasp of like how this world works. Um, you know, and how it's different parts of it are scaled different ways. You don't see as much of that. Um, because they focus so much of the world building on just like so many background gags and like advertisements especially mm-hmm. um like batman versus et and yeah. ways the musical or something like that i also feel like uh sorry i'm going backwards i'm so sorry um this the whole scene where chip's on his way to his house and he's in his house and he's being a dog the scoring of that uh, also gave me a very roger rabbit feel um mm-hmm. the music in that scene combined with the visuals made me think of roger rabbit a bit Oh yeah, um. So basically, uh, Monterey Jack is um, worried because he got into kind of a rough spot where he wasn't able to pay um pay for the the stinky cheese that he bought, and it very quickly becomes apparent that um that cheese and there's some other substances that are like that uh is basically a, a euphemism for drugs in this world. Yeah. Was it ever like that in the show? Oh, well, I think running gag on the show that Monterey Jack was addicted to cheese to the point that whenever someone said the word, his nose would perk up and he'd get all hypnotized like he does in this film. So I think Hmm. they're taking that a step further and playing on the old stereotype of a cartoon character uh, being you know hypnotized by uh smell lines and um and uh being you know floating through the air towards them to the to the concept of um that oh the reason this all these stink lines are so powerful is because it's like drugs for cartoon characters which is kind of ironic because that's how Mighty Mouse's show got canceled in the 80s there was this where there was one episode where a little orphan gave him a flower and he was dejected so he took it out of his pocket and there were sniff lines coming from the flower to his mouth uh to his nose and immediately perked up and there was some religious uh zealot who was like oh this show is encouraging kids to snort cocaine (laughs) sure why not why do coke when you can do poppy Mm, oh 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 you meant cocaine never mind no, 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 this isn't the Cola Cult episode. Hey, you guys it, remember the Muppets it, Wizard of Oz where, like, the poppies <laughs> were actually represented by, like, a, a a nightclub? And it's like, wow, so they all literally did drugs in this nightclub, didn't they? Yeah, there was a, a, mm. an opi- a cheese den 
<laughs> yeah, it's a chief <laughs> So, um, basically, um, the the cops show up and they meet um, the the chief of police, um, Gumby knockoff. Gumby knockoff. Um, his name was. Uh, if, if, uh, imagine uh, if Buddy, if, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Buddy. Oh no, Tack. Okay. Like, if Gumby was J.K. Simmons, yeah, this is what he looks like. And of course, <laughs> like I can't hear J.K. Simmons without hearing any of the other characters he's done, but specifically um, Great Uncle Ford. Get me pictures of Spider-Man, Deborah. And yes, of <laughs> yeah. course, um, of course, J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, and well, I've been on an invincible kick recently, so all I hear is Omni Man, which Omni-Man, gives it a yeah. really weird vibe. I need to, oh, I need to watch more of that show, but it looks it. Uh, I've watched like the first episode; and it's incredible. So yeah, it is incredible, but it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but the other person, the other person they meet is uh, Ellie, who is um, one of the oh. de- detectives that's on the case. Uh, and she kind of tells them that they basically have a 48 hour time limit um one uh once from once he was ki- uh one, from once monterey jack was kidnapped need, because that's how long it takes to get someone that to, I think bootleg. We need to bring up what? um they're t- talking about bootlegging which was mentioned yeah. earlier by monterey jack and we see a flashback of what happens when a cartoon character is bootlegged um or flounder we kind of glossed over mm-hmm. that a little bit and i thought it might be an interesting thing to talk about yeah um so basically the idea is that cartoon characters get kidnapped and changed slightly and then sent overseas and sold overseas first they erase their mouths yeah first they erase their mouths which is really fucked up and we have no mouth yet i must still exist in this universe implying that this is indeed the same universe as who framed roger rabbit which would make a lot of sense (laughs) i have no mouth yet i must tune Yeah, and dip, uh, uh, Flounder gets uh, transformed into the sidekick in the small fish lady. Also, yeah. poor, poor Flounder trying to trying to tell the Repo Man to not uh, to not take and him. Be Flounder like, hey, look, I have by... a, a genuine Dinglehopper. It's worth a lot, believe, isn't it, neat? I believe Flounder is voiced by the crazy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I thought this was kind of interesting because, of course, this is one of those. Um, this is one of those uh, very specific references to. There have been bootleg versions of Disney. It's, it's references um, to all the things that Phalos reviews now, basically. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Dingo Pictures is a good example, but a video brinkado. Video brinkado. Oh my god. So, so maybe the one thing that this movie didn't do is it didn't actually like specifically visually reference those god awful like video Brinkwedo and Bright Spark and Spark pl- Spark Plug movies. All the all the things that search worth, for the worst reviews. I don't think they were worth referencing the real thing. Yeah, um, I think. I don't know. I I'd have loved to have seen Wabu in the movie. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, think I think it would have been fun to have a quick reference to that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe they, maybe the creators have never heard of Wall. I mean, the writers have just hadn't heard of Wabu. He's fairly obscure. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but I was going to say, as far as um, 
directly referencing video bring credo goes i think tiny fuppets kind of did that already <laughs> if you've never seen it you should look up this youtube show called tiny fuppets which is basically this american uh writer poking fun at the concept of video bring credo knockoffs by using the muppet babies and basically commenting on this whole fictional universe where there's this blind Portuguese cartoonist who's never heard of the Muppets who basically <laughs> created this ripoff and they actually brought it back when the Muppet Babies reboot came out and they made it 3D and it, it was this whole stupid thing like oh now it's a tiny Fuppet 4D experience go <laughs> down to the local <laughs> Go down to your local Portuguese convenience store and you'll get a pair of 3D glasses. And they'll and shake you around in a chair. Yes, that's exactly it. They'll come to your house and shake you around in a chair. That's exactly what it was. It's oh so my god. No, I I mean, as someone who's like big in the attractions industry and I used to, we used to get like on um, the, like the Amusement Today trade publication, there'd be these ads for various like knockoff Simex iWorks companies that like we have a 6D ride. It's like, what is that? What is the sixth dimension? What are you talking about? And the the movies that they have for them always look like ass. Uh, this actually, uh, I listened to a podcast yesterday. It technically wasn't about Rescue Rangers, but they talked an awful lot more about Rescue Rangers than they did the actual subject of the podcast. So you can't see me, but you can hear me, right? I'm just not going to yeah. bother the camera. Um, Akiva Schaefer, the director of this film, said he first got uh, his first work with animation was at a place that was he was. I don't know if he worked there or if he just like watched other people do it. Uh, made uh, like the movies that you watch on those mini simulators they have at like malls and like Chuck E. Cheese's and stuff. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. like uh, like Haunted Mine Ride and yeah, uh, Elvira like, Superstition. That was how uh, how he first his first experience with seeing how animation was done. And then he uh he got to model a tractor in Maya or something. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh if you have the money, uh I may have uh gotten I may have gotten around that. I'm not gonna explain how. <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast on the comedy bang bang thing, a comedy bang bang theme podcast. Uh and uh it's called I think Scott hasn't seen and they talk about these movies that he hasn't seen. And uh, there was one about uh, The Emperor's New Groove. And the guest on that episode was Akiva Schaefer. And they talked a lot about uh, Rescue Rangers on that. And like the process of making animated films in general. Uh, I definitely have to check that out. Mm. Um, so moving right along because we do, we are kind of on a time crunch for this episode. Um, so they follow the clue to Main Street, which is on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm like, oh, so they crossed uh, Harbor Boulevard, right? Because <laughs> With they a literal on... sign that says wrong, wrong side. side of the tracks. Yeah. And, and, but then they, because subtlety they walk is for into, suckers. they walk into Main Street and it's, you know, bright and colorful. It literally looks like Disneyland. It's Main Street. Or at the very yep. least, it looks like Adventureland on a good day. <clears throat> Wait, you get good days in Florida? I said Adventureland. That's in Iowa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and Disney World isn't in Florida. Disney World is its own thing. 
And Dale, oh, right, right. Dale is explaining all the shady things these people, these different people do. It's my head cannon that he knew about the Muppet fights because he went in to covertly shoot it, and then it eventually became the radioactive video from Imagine Dragons. <laughs> Change my mind. Bye. I just wanted you to say hi. Okay, bye. Cameo. That was my sister. Okay. Yeah, speaking of cameos, I was going to say, and uh, one of the strangest uh, cameos is one of the characters you would least expect to find in a Disney movie. The guy who runs the shop where uh, Chip sells his uh, is uh, Mr. Natural, an underground comics character from the 60s. So. <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's another cameo that we kind of need to talk about. Probably more likely to get like Lagoon at Universal than in a Disney movie, even though I don't think he is there. Um, he fits that aesthetic more than he would you would expect to see in like a Roger Rabbit type. Yes. Yeah. Actually yeah. kind of reminded me of Tintin. So here's my question. If we're going off of the premise that various cartoon characters have been kidnapped. Um, so at the end, one of the characters that is that has obviously been kidnapped is Phineas, and he gets turned into like a kind of a Woody Woodpecker like character. Like a dodo. Yeah. Or like a dodo. So my question is, why is Linda just on Main Street, you know, just doing business when her son is missing? <laughs> Was it really her son or, or did she just play his mom? Maybe, I don't know, but I still feel like even then she'd be concerned because that's just the kind of person she is. Yes. Mm. It, it reminded me a bit of a gag. Uh, one of the directors on Phineas and Ferb, Jay Lender, had tweeted a number of weeks. This had nothing to do with the film, but it was just an anecdote about something he put in one episode that a lot of people have been commenting on uh, over the years. And he was just like, in the episode Skidly Whiffers, I drew a scene in which Linda is in the kitchen polishing a human skull. Every single theory as to why she possesses one on the internet is wrong. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> so I I was thinking about that. Uh and you know, maybe Linda does have some skeletons in her closet, both literally and, and figuratively. figuratively. Mm -hmm. Oh my um, god, is this where the bodies are buried? Maybe. Um but but Bury the skeleton. There's a pattern in that scene. But I was also thinking, well, you know, maybe Phineas and Ferb are, you know, charging all of their inventions to her credit card without her knowing, and she has to take this illicit job in order to pay it all. Oh off. my god! That's <laughs> very, very I mean, weird. that's crazy enough to make sense in this world, honestly. Although the thought of any cartoon mom taking up an illicit job is just like, nope, 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 nope. No, let's not do that. Uh... Be gone, deviant art. Go away. <laughs> And then... speaking of speaking of crossovers um they actually just released um one of those and they've done these before where they do like a compilation of different shorts with a wraparound segment and they did mm -hmm. one for molly mcgee um uh, and it's really fun to see um these characters kind of referencing other shows and even movies because like you know they're referencing like big hero six and rapunzel i'm like yeah so you know that's that's kind of fun to think that at the very least Molly is watching all these other shows if they don't exist in this same universe. Ahem. Let's kick things off with a chibi tiny tale starring Grandma Alice and her unlikely suitor, the evil Dr. Doofenshmirtz. I have no idea what those words meant. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Keegan-Michael Key uh, Swedish chef knockoff. <laughs> yes. 
Oh my god, I love I love the eyebrows. I love the way that they did the, the, the cheese muppet. Yeah. I forget his name, but the cheese muppet is great. I didn't even realize that that was CGI, but it is. It's like what uh it's like what the one dude on YouTube does with like the the, the CGI Muppet like characters, but better. Like not not better thing. necessarily, but more realistic looking. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, Bjornson. kinda, kinda. Bjornson, that's his name. No, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Kevin something. Keegan Michael Keen. No, no, the animator on YouTube, his name is oh. Kevin Temmer. He used to work for Blue Sky. Oh. Um, and he oh, does these really that. cool animated videos that kind of have like a, they, the, like all of his characters um, in yeah, yeah, I know most him. of his videos follow, look kind of like follow, Muppets. He follows me on Twitter, uh, follows the podcast account on Twitter. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, I love his videos. Anyways, um, so they, um, they come up asking about Stinky Cheese and <laughs> yeah. he's like, are you cops? Just dropping the whole um, <laughs> accent, the whole jolly accent. Just, are you cops? You cops. Nobody but Keegan-Michael Key could do that. Oh my god, it was perfect. Um, and they, they go into this, like, like uh, cellar where everyone's like, it's basically a crack den for Stinky Cheese. Yeah, it's a cheese den. Mm. It's a cheese den. Um, and... They they come around ask and they they um they they come in and ask about um, Monterey Jack, and um, actually actually they don't I don't think they did they ask oh yeah they did yeah they ask him about Monterey Jack and he's like which is also a type they ask him about Monterey Jack and he's like which is also a type of cheese sorry carry on um <laughs> uh, and um. Basically, they say they say that uh, they want information. He's like, "I'm not giving you information. You're definitely cops." And um, Dale's the one that um, breaks character and is like, well, "We're not cops. We're actors." And he's like, "Oh, you're actors, hey? Well, my boss, sweet Pete, loves actors." And and basically, he um, zip ties them and puts them in the back of the cheese truck and drives them over to um, sweet to, to meet with sweet Pete. Oh, sweet Pete. Which is in the Uncanny Valley district, and that, of course, is, uh, you know, where all of those characters from like, the early 2000s that looked hyper-realistic and never looked right live. <laughs> yeah, the, they, had the, they had the appearance from the Jellicle Cats, just... <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, that wasn't from the... <laughs> that was from, like... I, I still maintain that cats was what opened the, the the stargate that caused like the plague to happen no nah, there's an argument to be made i think that's what caused the plague well, to happen the cat flu, yeah it was the cat flu, exactly yeah. randy moore was right wow damn it 2020 you made randy moore right about something yeah um but then, um, yeah, they meet with Sweet Pete, who, as it turns out, is actually, of course, Peter Pan. And this is the thing that's been getting a lot of people really upset, is that uh, it seems to be a reference to the real-life story of what happened to Bobby Driscoll. So let's talk about that elephant in the room. 
Um, I, I honestly don't know if it was intentional or not. It's kind of hard to. Intentional, but I, uh, I have a hot take. What's your hot take? Horrible. Um, Let's have it. Uh, I don't think that his backstory is meant to be taken as a joke, even though there are jokes about him being old later on. When he's telling the story of how he was thrown away, I don't think the intention was, haha, he was he was thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. This is why he has become a bad guy because Hollywood is shitty um, and has fucked up him, basically. I don't think they're trying to be like, oh, you know, I don't think it's at the expense of this. I think it's more of a commentary on uh, people being thrown out and rejected. Again, one of the major characters in this movie is kind of the animation equivalent to that. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. So I think it's commentary the- on that. The doubt because most of the people, the professionals I've been seeing discussing the film, haven't talked about this. So I have a feeling it's kind of an obscure story. It's very sad if, uh, that people have pointed out the fact that, in a rather unfortunate um, concept, that in reality, the actor who played Peter Pan actually did. Uh, his career actually did go down the tubes because of the fact that he grew up. But I'm going to give the makers of the film the benefit of the doubt and say that they were playing intentionally attempting to play on the irony that Peter Pan, a character who was famous for never being able to grow up, was probably the best example they could think of, of, oh, if someone, if the cartoon character had their career ruined, then why would it be that way? Well, let's say a famous character who doesn't grow up actually does grow up. And I, I, I don't think they realized that they were unfortunately uh, playing on an actual um, tragedy that actually happens. So it, it's a, just a very unfortunate coincidence. But I mm. will say that even it, even if it does unintentionally come off as mean-spirited, I do think they gave him one of the funnier lines um, later on where uh, discussing the concept where uh, he, uh, he meets one of the lost boys who's shocked to see and gets old and he's like, yeah, I'm afraid death comes all for us all someday, little buddy. But my question with that is, why is he aging but no one else is? Yeah. Good freaking question. And leads me to another bit of a problem I had with this movie. The ignorance of animation history. Kind of rewind um even putting aside the whole Bobby Driscoll um coincidence thing which you know, not everyone can do, which I, I respect, but putting that aside, why did Chip meet Dale in 1982 of all years? Because Chip and Dale have been cartoon stars since the late 30s. Yeah, I think that was just to streamline the story as much as possible, which yeah. I get. There was something that I was going to mention. I don't know if it's true or not, so take it with a grain of salt. But there was a rumor that was spreading around the internet that someone had seen a rough cut of the film while mm-hmm. it was 
still yeah, like, like, that. like that, like an audience thing. And apparently, that person claimed that the uh, reveal of the final villain was entirely different. And that again, I don't know this if this is true or not. But if it was, then it would have touched upon Chippendale's history because yeah, the villain was actually supposed to be Pluto who was yep. angry at the fact that Chippendale still had a career while he was just the fall guy in his old cartoons and that he never got anywhere because people just saw him as a generic dog who can't talk like Goofy does, so he tried to seek revenge. I don't know if that's true or not, but that would have been kind of interesting if they had done it, but I imagine it would have rubbed people the wrong, some people the wrong way if yeah. they did it to a character like Pluto. And mm -hmm. it, and also kind of having Pluto, I don't know if they, um, um, I think we can bring it up because it's something Monterey Jack mentions when they first meet him, is that uh, Gadget and Zipper are married and have 42 children. Yeah. And there's something with Zipper that I'm not going to give away yet, but if they gave Pluto a human voice unexpectedly, and it would kind of give away the joke that it would kind of undercut the joke that they do with Zipper, which is almost the exact same thing. Yeah. So, Not to mention Pluto being viewed as the fall guy of, of their cartoons would kind of also rub up against Dale's motivation of, you know, I don't want to be the second banana anymore. Right. So That's it's multiple cases of just redundant story beats and yeah i, I think if that was true it was a good decision to go the different directions that they did yeah odds I, are it just went over like a lead balloon in test screenings and they had to quickly rewrite it yeah yes uh one quick thing regarding um uh gadget and zipper <laughs> this has been a point of contention for a lot of people but i think they managed to do it in a way that it's kind of it's almost kind of sweet in a way, but they complimented mm -hmm. the fact that the reason that they did it that way is because they wanted to poke fun at the concept of all of these interspecies cartoon characters over the uh, cartoon romances over the years, and the fact that no one, no one, you know, really says anything about it. The Ninja Turtles was one example they gave how they felt. All these things are gonna go back. And I know that in the 2012 version of the show, Don Vitello actually had a crush on April. And mm -hmm. they were commenting about the fact like, well, if a turtle and a human fall in love, what's going to come after that? So and they said that was, that was But I think they managed to do it in a way that came off as sweet. And also, again, it's about the designs for the children with you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's part of why it worked. And and people thinking too much into it about the idea about, I mean, even Roger and Jessica Rabbit, people thought they were a cute couple and nobody really thought about, well, what would happen if they tried to have children, which is kind of the point. This is one of the points it's trying to make. But then again, <laughs> I, again, I think my answer to the question is these are cartoon characters, so their babies are probably delivered by the stork. So there's probably no... It's just a show. I should really just <laughs> relax. relax. Exactly. But since we're poking fun at all the inconsistencies of this universe, as you were, I, again, yes, I think it's equal bits column A and B. It's fun to nitpick this universe, but B, the MST3K adage, I should really just relax, it's definitely. Also, uh, yeah. also, it's just a nice way to troll all the people who wanted, who wanted her to end up with Dale. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so they get delivered to Sweet Pete and they find out that the where they've been delivered is actually Sweet Pete's legitimate business where they repurpose old merchandise and apparently there was a bunch of like Shrek body wash that they're repurposing. I am severely disappointed in that sequence because what I wanted him to be melting down was the infamous Tarzan action figure. <laughs> Somehow I don't think, even though there's apparently a Big Mouth character that has a cameo somewhere in here, they didn't want to make a uh, reference to that toy. <laughs> I think it will work, because if you see a, if you're a kid and you see a Big Mouth character, and you, you have no knowledge of Big Mouth, you're not going to go, oh, that character is from a show that's inappropriate for me. But if right. you see Tarzan going like, oh, you can't see me, but you know what he does. Your kid might be like, mm -hmm. what is he doing? What is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> Mom, what is he doing? I shouldn't be telling you about even though that's not what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know what he's doing, one, right? but I know he's not supposed to be doing that, isn't he? That's the Tarzan you... we're talking about, right? This isn't band camp, Tarzan. Put the vine down. Yes. <laughs> Rad repeating Tarzan, I believe, is what yes. I'm Yes. Yep. I remember Dan Pavenmeyer doing a stand-up routine about that one. <laughs> I was introduced to that through Jeepers Media, who used to do lots of videos about yes! toys that uh, that were really misguided. <laughs> um, so they are able to um, they're they're able to escape, and they also uh, find out that um, they because. They, um, uh, um dale is talking about how he has a um a fitness tracker that just like the one that sweet pete has and so they basically end up having to go on another um kind of not exactly a high sequence but kind of um uh, where they're um they're trying to get the 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 fitness tracker linked so that they can find out the location of the secret hideout yes mm -hmm. Dale marks all the all the, the, the all the routes he goes on in the shape of a butt. <laughs> Boy. And that feels like a total Andy Samberg line. Yes. Um. Yeah. Before they go, that they they reconvene with Ellie to explain what they found out and try to figure out how they to get back story. Yes. They yeah. get to. Ellie's backstory, which is it reminded me a lot of Gremlins in a way. <laughs> um, she was she's seen as the laughing stock of the police department because she fell for a false tip about Pep, uh, Peppa Pig going missing, and oh they <laughs> raided the Nick Junior Studios and all the cartoons attacked them. <laughs> the particle mob guys, yeah. I know it would have been a legal nightmare to try and animate that, but wow, oh, I wish we could have seen something other than just her talking about it. I want to see this scene. Somebody has to of, animate this. A lot Please. Of, a lot of people uh, give uh, Kiki Lane a flat for uh, not being a great actor in this, but I think her her deadpan delivery of that, it, like I said, it reminded me of, do you remember in Gremlins, this character is like talking about how she found out there was no Santa Claus? And it's like played super seriously, but it's so absurd that it's really meant to be a joke. It's, it's perfect. Mm. I love it. And of course, they made fun of that in the sequel to Gremlins. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And they decide, they figure out that 
well, um, while they um, go to, um, oh, uh, while they're con, con let me see, okay. Uh, they go into Dale's garage and it happens to be filled from floor to ceiling with uh, Rescue Rangers merchandise. And Ellie is ecstatic because she was a huge fan of Rescue Rangers. Mm -hmm. And they, he has a map on the wall of all of the markets where Rescue Rangers aired in syndication. And uh, they, they come to the conclusion, they point out that Ellie was, lived in uh, Albany and they pointed out, well, Rescue Rangers never aired in Albany. And she's like, oh, my grandmother would take all the episodes and send them to me. Mm -hmm. And there is one factual discrepancy here that someone pointed out in an interview with Akiva Schaefer. Uh, Rescue Rangers actually did air in Albany in syndication. And he was like, he was commenting, well, there's a story reason for it because it's a potential red, it sets up a potential red herring later on. But yeah. he was like, maybe it's for the best if you don't research every single thing that a character says in, the, in this movie because, yeah. you know, it might break the suspension of disbelief. It takes place in a different universe. Exactly. Plus, you know, plus, you know Dale's a bit of a doofus anyway, so uh, the nail probably, you know, popped out of the map or something. Yeah, that's probably true. And the other important thing is that it turns out that um, uh, Chip is missing one important piece of, of merchandise in his collection, which is the metal slammer to the Chip and Dale Pog set. Which remember, remember Chip and Dale? Yeah. They're back in Pog form. Yes, they are. They are. I, I have uh, just recently saw the new Nick Cage movie that came out recently, yeah. so my brain immediately went to National Treasure when Nick Cage gave her, you know, the missing coin for the, well, uh, for her presidential set. I don't remember that scene. <laughs> Few do. Few do. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So continuing onward, um, they go and um, try to get the the fitness tracker information, um, and basically they end up uh, they end up uh, dealing with a snake who happens to be a big fan of theirs, um, and the snake has like a. After Randy shows up. What is it? Is this before or after Randy Mars shows up? Uh, after. This, yeah. Yeah, well, this is when he shows up. They disguise themselves as plumbers and they sneak into the bathhouse where Sweet yeah. Pete goes every week. And we see Randy Marsh in a sauna along with two cartoon pigs. And then oh, we see Scrooge McDuck in a pile of money. And the cool thing here is even though he just, you know, makes celebratory noises and doesn't speak, he's actually voiced by David Tennant. Which yes. I freaking knew it. Yes. And there oh, I love that. Snake is being massaged and also getting its skin while being massaged. I think that's what's going on. At least <laughs> I hope so. that's what's going on. Again, Tarzan, put the vine down. <laughs> oh, we wanted to get Tarzan in this movie, but Edgar Rice throws a snake at Mr. Snow. They probably didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, he'd just be the live action one that Warner Brothers made. Yeah. My is name is Dale. I don't eat whale. <laughs> that's the I love that movie. That, that that's one of the parts where it indulges in the thing, but it's so stupid that I love it. <laughs> I, I agree. But it's a lonely island movie, and if you're going into a lonely island movie, not expecting some rap type thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's kind of set up because when Chip goes to his house, um, when we first see Chip yeah. leave insurance job and go to his house, he, there's a commercial for an Alvin and the Chipmunks rap album playing on TV. And he says to himself, you know, it's so pathetic that sooner or later, every famous cartoon character has to rap. Yeah, and, and a lot of people have been, like, I, assume, I imagine a lot of people, I mean, I've seen many people complain about other things in a, in a similar way. And I can see people complaining about uh, making the argument that, oh, they're making fun of this thing, but it's, it doesn't matter because they do it anyways. And I'm like, but they do it and it's dumb and it's funny. <laughs> yes. they do it, so it doesn't really matter. Out that these characters can't rap. The only word that they can think of that rhymes with Dale is whale. Well. So making a rap song, which is basically about the fact that they choose not to eat whale, and that you shouldn't eat whale in the first place. They're endangered. Place. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I've, again, it feeds into my, into one of my larger problems of double dipping, but they did so in a way that did get a smile out of me, so I'm a little easier on that, on that scene. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you guys on this one. Uh, and uh so chip of course is trying to get the code to um open the um the door to get the band uh and kids up lighting a lighting a match using uh there's um there were macadamia nuts um so there's macadamia nut oil yeah Again, kind of similar to how Nicolas Cage got into to steal the Declaration of Independence by right. fussing with the keypad. Mm-hmm. I seem to be making a lot of Nick Cage the references. Match reveals the fingerprints. So Nickelodeon mm. Cage. <laughs> Nickelodeon Junior Cage. Right. Yes, Nickelodeon Junior Cage. National Treasure, <laughs> <National> Treasure Baby. <laughs> Actually, I'd watch. I'd watch the hell out of that. Um, oh, and the other thing is that, uh, when Dale starts rapping, Chip says, and I'm in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says hell, which isn't, re- just this specific character saying it is maybe a little off, but in a Disney movie saying hell isn't really the biggest shock. Well, I yeah, mean, I mean, lest we forget the soul episode, hell. lest we forget the soul episode. Hell, 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 Visual uh, classic cartoon thing. <laughs> oh, also, this happened earlier, but the donut cops from uh, from Wreck It Ralph like were Ralph. yeah, Win- Winchell and Duncan. Winchell yes. and Duncan were back. That, that was a cute touch. And they just got hired to be in the movie to play themselves. I don't know. Uh, Probably. <laughs> and one of the characters that they find is Garfield, modified to be muscular. I'm like, Garfield. I'm like, I hope they can. Swolfield. I, I hope they consulted uh, Garfield expert Quentin reviews on this. Yeah. Garfield be like him, but with the Emperor's new groove. Um. Yeah, yeah, he literally is is the he literally is Micah Hirsch, but for Garfield. 
But um, they end up. I will talk about the test footage they shot that Scott leaked that also has Angelina Jolie's reference, but was not actually in the movie as well later. (laughs) So so Dale tried. I think it was Dale um, that tried to turn on a light and ended up starting up the machine, and they both get like trapped in it. And it's um, it renders them in different animation styles, and then tries to like turn them into a different animation style. And one, there was. Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, mm-hmm. one of the ones that shows up is Rick and Morty. Ren and Stimpy. The Simpsons. Yeah, I said The Simpsons. I think I saw a Marvel animated one where they yeah. look like uh, different superheroes. Well, we have not mentioned Tigra at all. <laughs> yeah, I I had never seen that Avengers show. Was uh, was that her old voice actor that came back? I don't know. She's kind of huh. cute though. <laughs> I don't know. We're definitely not going to cover any Marvel-related shows anytime soon. Wink. Definitely not next week. Wink. <laughs> definitely not related to a certain roller coaster opening. Wink. Well, gee, I, I wonder what's going to happen next Damn it, I'm using my left eye? <laughs> um, my one weakness, referencing uh, my favorite MCU character. How did you know? Of course. Uh, that's the scene where Chip gets the Snoopy ear. The Snoopy ear, yes. Uh, yes, Chip gets a Snoopy ear. Um, and Ellie, no- one thing that Ellie notices when they walk in is that the coffee is still warm. And, and it turns out that um, that's because, you know, they knew that they were, um, Sweet Pete and his gang knew that they were coming. Um, and so... Um, they, everyone goes back to the police station and, um, Chippendale are waiting there. Um, and then they notice, um, specifically Dale notices the cologne that was referenced earlier that smells like, uh, almond butter and gasoline that, uh, Monterey Jack wore. Um, and it's really hard to, um, get out of anything. Mm. Although it's still used as paint thinner in Latvia, although we don't see the time of that. And so they think they're being double crossed, and uh, going out about Senator Butthead. Chip points out that it probably isn't actually the police captain, but probably Ellie, um, since they set up a red herring earlier. Yeah, spoilers. Ellie's a red herring. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the red herring is actually not um, ends up not being accurate um, because basically. and uh, this is also where they have the argument about uh, their their argument where whether or not everything's okie dokie artichokey. And oh it's right, a, I first uh, heard that 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 phrase uh, in Hannah Montana. Just a random a random fact. Okie dokie artichokey. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And um, and uh, Chip tries to give him uh, Dale the Pog Slammer he needs to complete his collection and to ma- to make up for it, but um, Dale is you know being kind of conceited and he you know they they feel that you and know Dale, and then Dale just repeats the same thing. so they just leave it on the table with no one with no one yeah now you're now you're um, one of them picking it up so. Mm-hmm. They remember what Ugly Sonic said that he was part of a TV and show where he's a, a celebrity who solves crimes with the FBI. That's Ugly the scene where, Kronk, where the table behind Chip and Dale is a Kronk regroove table. And presumably at some point, 
quantity behind it, I imagine. Not in the movie, but I mean in this universe. Uh, I mean, if you squint real, if you squint real hard, you can kind of make out a bit of Kronk's torso, but that's about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can see a picture of him on the on the sign too. Uh, yes. I, I, and since you were talking about big mouth characters, I think it's in the second uh, LAPD scene where we actually see the big mouth character. Oh, and also, hmm. I have to bring this up. So, yeah, um, I was last going week, to say, one of the characters you interacted with on Twitter is in yes. the scene. Yeah. McGruff the Crime Dog. Yes, yeah, so I had posted <laughs> something about Rescue Rangers and McGruff the McGruff the Crime Dog on Twitter liked my tweet and like re replied and then followed me. I'm like, McGruff the Crime Dog is in Rescue Rangers, isn't he? And sure enough, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, I called it and they're like, yeah, you were the first one to call it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that Which was awesome. I wouldn't have called in a million years. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Bragging rights for you, man. It's so, it's so just, I'm like, I'm like, judging by what they liked, I'm like, this is obviously a promotional thing. So, there we go. So, it turns out that... So, they go to the convention, which is like, you know, just obviously rife for cameos. I mean, there's literally, there, there's even a person wearing a freaking Spongebob shirt. There's My Little Ponies. There's Doc McStuffins. Pickle Rick. Yes, Pickle Rick. Doc McStuffins and Randy Marsh uh, in the same movie. <laughs> what is Doc McStuffins doing there without her parents? Maybe she's maybe she's not. Maybe it's a baby Herman thing, and she's not actually a child. <laughs> oh, that's possible. Um, but yeah, they go and um, the ponies are there. They go and um, talk to Ugly Sonic, but. But Sorry. Pete and his gang are right on their tail, and there's a whole chase sequence. Um, there's a whole chase sequence through the um, through the convention center, and eventually um, Chip gets captured, but Dale uh, manages to escape. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't want to point out every cameo because it would take too long and that's something for you at home to w look for yourself while watching the movie again or the first time. But again, I like to point out each instance where a character is voiced by their original actor. Um, in, uh, in this scene, one of the people they run into in the convention center is He-Man and Skeletor. Who are yes! Together. And both of them are actually voiced by Skeletor's original voice actor, Alan Oppenheimer. Yay, I love that. Oh, no way. That, that, that's Alan Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. And um, down there, you're a boob when you're not wearing any pants and food, even if every single read. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, that was great. Also, Paul Rudd has a cameo, which yeah. you know, any 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 little cameo he does is wonderful. He I, had a line at least. You know, it was originally supposed to be called Aunt Man because Aunt my Man. Real superpower was being irresistible to aunts. I and I swear they took that joke from the original run of George of the Jungle. <laughs> I think some of the people involved with George of the Jungle were oh, the movie, not the cartoon. <laughs> So um Ellie um Ellie goes to the to the to the docks to um to confront Sweet Pete and rescue um Rangers Chip and rescue yeah. Chip. Um but it ends up uh turning out that she's been she's being double crossed by uh Tack. Yeah. 
who, as it turns out, has been working with, um, yeah, who's been who's been working with um, with Sweet Pete the whole time. Yeah, and they it's it's funny because they like do they, they kind of uh, pretend like they're gonna do the the thing where it's like, oh well, there's a there's a sob story where it's like, yeah, my mother needed an operation. No, I did it for the money. I'm just a greedy little Smurf. I'm like that was just. You're not a Smurf. You're a Dumpy Ripper. That was that was pitch perfect delivery by J.K. Simmons as per freaking <laughs> usual. The oh, man gives without a doubt percent with everything he does. He is a professional. Yes, and mm-hmm. he's also the one who uh, 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 instigated the fake um, Nick Junior raid. Yes. And, and th- there's a gag there. You know, oh, the chief of police being in cahoots with the bad guy. Isn't that the most predictable twist in the book? Exactly, which is why I did it in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they don't just say, hey, oh, how could they? And then they, and then just move on. They, they revel in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, um, the, the, so, um, they have and Ellie call um, Dale, and it's you know the classic hostage thing where it's like where it's like you know calling the person that needs to be there, um, so that the plan can go through. Um, but Ellie gives um, yeah. gives Dale uh, a, a coded message where she finally tells him, well, quote unquote, finally tells him what her favorite episode of the show is, and. Um, Dale at least picks up that he he should probably watch the episode and figure out what she's trying to tell him. Um, but he basically comes to a completely different, like, he comes to a similar conclusion, but through a completely, like, just random ADHD method of doing so. That mm-hmm. references is a real episode of the show. Yes, and the writer of the episode actually tweeted a picture of uh, the chippendale rescue rangers wiki uh um uh page for the episode featuring her writing court credit and she was like you guys need to see this movie so she was really proud that they referenced an episode she wrote yay i love that <laughs> uh, the episode they're doing at the beginning of the movie they're filming at the beginning of the movie it's not a lot <laughs> yeah so, so of course um um dale ends up going to ask uh, gadget and uh what was the the fly's name again uh zipper zipper yeah so he goes to ask gadget and uh zipper for help uh and they fly in the the rescue rangers because it's convenient, uh gadget's character and in real life and her character in the tv show are exactly the same yes yeah. and, uh, and voiced by the same person of course yeah the mm-hmm. great Tris McNeil, legendary. Yay. I mean, they they literally mentioned that her character in the TV show and her character in real life are the same. Yes, yeah. and we also get a very funny gag that I alluded to earlier. Uh, Zipper, who on the TV show only made fly noises, in reality sounds exactly like Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> <laughs> so that so yeah so you you got him and you got J.K. Simmons. This movie is just uh, an ad for insurance. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, um, they go to. So so um, Dale. Um, Dale uses a firework to launch himself into the building. Which yeah. they try. He he tries to aim for the. 
He tries to aim for the exhaust pipe, but misses completely and just crashes through a window. Yeah. And ends up stopping the machine from uh, uh, bootlegging uh, Chip. Yeah. At this point, his Snoopy ear has been lasered off. Yeah, his Snoopy ear is gone, and having escaped from the machine, he's able to just like he does and the thing where he sticks his thumb out. in his mouth and he blows on it, and his ear pops, his regular ear pops out. Yeah. Because he's a cartoon. Yep, because he's a cartoon. Uh, and um, this is where um, Ellie and uh, and the police chief split off from Chip and Dale and Sweet Pea. And Sweet Pea gets uh, um, ends up getting uh, like turned into this uh, you know hybrid monster Back creation to... by the machine. <laughs> yeah, he becomes a, a, a toon monster, and. Um... Then Which I, I I think I think basically they're like okay well we can't just do a, ju- a judge doom against we have to do something different and this is what they came up with and I think it's a good a good way to do it I think that was a good way to I create a scary Ted, moment for the finale. It Ted appears to be a CGI version of Felicia from the Great Mouse Detective or a similar. Uh, it's actually a CGI version of Fat Cat from Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers Why and it looks like fat, it looks like he has a. a a tie on a bow tie on or uh yeah a bow on his head okay um but they um the thing is he goes back and forth between uh different cartoon voices and one of the ones that yeah. he does is fat cat's actual voice jim cummings who has multiple yeah always love seeing jim cummings hearing, or hearing him rather um and they and, find out that the bootleg films are actually being not being shot overseas. They're being shot here. I do love the the callback to Roger Rabbit where the sets that just look like they're drawings in the actual show, when you're watching them being filmed, are obviously actual sets and yeah. not drawings. Yeah. And, and we immediately get one of uh, Jim Cummings' other cameos because... Uh, the first bootleg set that they happen to be on is one of the best bit characters for the film for me. Pooj, the fat honey bear. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, yeah, that was great. <laughs> and um, they also crashed their Simpsons knockoff. Shortly after this one, but we'll get to that. And um, they're also filming like an Aladdin ripoff, which my question is, how are they filming like these three huge productions simultaneously and keeping it hidden from sight at the docks? That's true. Like there would have to be so, where where are these people working on these productions park? So, um, and Pete is in the role of Prince Jolly. Um, yes. So Jim Cummings again. I just do you know how many levels the parking garage at the Disney Studios in Burbank has? And they have granted they have sound stages and corporate offices and all that. You wouldn't need that many, but still it's like six levels going down, basically. Yeah. And um and then there's a Jurassic Park reference. Yes. <laughs> that was great. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have in the, the tra- in the first trailer, by the way, that reference. Yes. Yeah. And then we have the fight scene with Ellie and Detective Putty, which I thought was some of the best animation in the film. Say, oh my god, that looked incredible. You know, of all the references in this movie, like one of the most creative isn't actually a cameo, it's the scene where, yes. they, where they blatantly parody Terminator. Yes. 
Oh, that was great. And uh, and it's intent. I mean, it's the the way that's shot and the music and stuff uh, is uh, suspenseful. Um, even though it's like this Gumby knockoff. Yeah, they they managed to make it tense with even though she's fighting a Gumby knockoff, and it's great. I love that. Yeah, and that's immediately followed by one of my other favorite scenes of the film, just because I thought the way they played on a cartoon gag was funny, and I would have loved to have seen more like this. It's uh, they're at the docks, and they're at the edge of the dock, and they try to get the uh uh abomination monster uh towards them so they decide to do the thing that supposedly in this universe happened in every episode of rescue rangers where ship would knock dale over the head and uh he would try to catch catch the imaginary uh fat cat would try to catch the imaginary birds so they try to do that and no birds are coming out and it turns out that the birds are asleep and one of the because it's three in the morning and one of the uh one of the birds alarms goes off and his wife is like honey you shouldn't be going out at this time and day and i thought that was one of the funnier scenes because it's I just like that poking fun at this cartoon cliche like these imaginary birds are cartoon characters in and of themselves who, who immediately have to go to whichever cartoon character happens to be dazed at the moment to circle over their head birds roger you keep doing birds i told you i wanted stars <laughs> and they're able to they're able to distract him long enough to uh drop the and, and there's another cartoon gag the the drop the thing the, the, the Whatever he gets out for the he gets the Pete sweet Pete cat fat cat. I think uh maybe uh it has according to TV shows, I don't know how accurate this is, it has the coat of Long John Silver. It seems like a deep cut. Um, uh, they get this abomination who he he pulls out an umbrella, like you know, Wiley Coyote. Yes. Yeah. Oh that, yeah. That, too. And that, we, that was definitely that that I could tell, you know, was like a very much Looney Tunes reference. Yes. And the we fact also, that it, it hit like you saw it, the impact twice. Yes. And we also get the culmination of Ugly Sonic's redemption arc. As it turns out, he wasn't lying and he actually is a honorary FBI agent <laughs> He's piloting the helicopter that drops the that drop uh, that drops the uh lug baggage onto Sweet Pete. Um and you know the the FBI cars pull up and they're taking Sweet Pete into custody and Chippendale take a moment to celebrate, but then um Sweet Pete um fires the, the blaster that's on one of his arms. Um, which shoots uh which, was that a specifically uh that wasn't a mario bullet was it no it, it looks kind of like a mario bullet but i think it's one of those cases where the, it's changed just enough to be legally acceptable okay because um, one is actually shaped like a cannonball the mario bullets are actually shaped like bullets bullets right um but it hits uh well so dale does the sacrifice jumps in the, the way and sacri- and quote unquote sacrifices himself to save Chip. 
Yes, which is also a callback to earlier in the film where after they escaped Sweet Pete's hideout uh, by flushing themselves down the toilet, uh, Chip thought Dale was dead so, in a, was in in a puddle of silver water. It just turned out to be an old double O Dale. Uh, before we go, I want to bring up the test footage that has something similar, a similar gag to that in it. <laughs> yes, and uh, basically Chip... Um, basically, Chip pours his heart out to what he thinks is the dead body of his friend, and he explains that he was too nervous on that first day that he met um, that he met Dale at school, and he realizes that if he had stayed home from school today, the two of them would have never met and become friends, and the only reason he went to school that day is because his mother told him the same thing that Chip always tells Dale. Sometimes the biggest risk is not taking a risk at all. But it turns out Dale is alive because he actually did take the pog slammer that neither of them wanted to take, and he had it under his chest the whole time, and it deflected. Full vest, and it smashed the the thingy's nose. <laughs> so then, uh, and evil is defeated. Um, tell a crappy joke. They tell a crappy joke, and and do the awkward laugh and like yeah the worse the joke is the longer we laugh and then uh they talk about maybe doing a reboot if the script's good and then they talk about uh the theme so a cover them having to get a cover of the theme song even though everyone wants to hear the normal version and the credits play <laughs> and they cut the credits which and then this, this is the second time that they've kind of done that joke although granted they didn't really do like they didn't like call it out like they did in this but ralph breaks the internet you know you could tell they're like okay we know this is the crappy pop song cover at the end but we're gonna like the song is so ridiculous that we you know it, it, it's a joke in and of itself i feel like and then we get the credit sequence which uh kind of sums up what has um uh what happened to all the characters and we get a a, a number of uh, very funny sight gags including a poster for a fake disney afternoon smash brothers knockoff which would be very fun to see if it yeah was. that should be real with nickelodeon and uh, warner brothers releasing their own <laughs> that that is it's funny that it really that, that joke got released at the time that it did uh, uh, yeah. and the final uh credit before oh, yeah. uh before we uh the film ends is all five of the rescue rangers are reunited at the comic-con and everyone is happy except for a jealous darkwing duck jim cummings final appearance in the film who thinks that he should be the one getting the reboot and not them which of course he's going to eventually <laughs> Yes, which is hopefully a sign of things to come. Yay! Um, and I want to, can I, can I bring up the test footage I saw now that got leaked that I wasn't supposed to see? Yeah. Sure. Um, so their Chip and Dale are thrown in a warehouse. And this is the scene where they meet, uh, where they meet Bob in this version, the dwarf in this version. Um, and before they meet him, they're in a warehouse full of boxes and uh, Chip thinks that Dale has been crushed by one of the boxes um, and it, he goes over to it and it pops up and it has no head and then it, Dale appears behind it and throws the, and it turns out it was a stuff it was a plushie and he throws it over a box and the box 
is a box full of plushies of Buffy the Squirrel from the Ember's New Groove. Ah. So I wish they put that in the actual movie because it was a bit more blatant than uh, the Kronk thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And that, and you know, that that's basically what they did with the Double O Dale doll scene. They yeah, so I feel, I feel like maybe that either that became the Double O Dale joke or they didn't feel like doing the same joke twice. Yeah. Um, so overall, final thoughts on the movie. Um, what did everyone think? Uh, Dave, you go first with your uh thing that you're gonna record later. Thank you, Editing Chandler. And I just wanted to get a couple more points in uh before the end of the podcast here, but, um, and be sure to keep in mind that, I mean, you know, no disrespect towards anyone who liked the movie or regardless of your opinion on it, I am being uh, critical on it because that's who I am. I'm a fairly critical guy if you've, uh, how often you follow my Twitter page and how often I yell at Disney movies there, but again, I mean no disrespect towards anyone who does like the movie, just know that I didn't care for it as much and I just want to articulate, uh, I, and I just want to properly articulate why. Um, one of the things that we, uh, that I started to get at in the podcast but didn't get a chance to follow up on was Dale's line of um, him following the rule that Chip told him about, you know, the biggest risk is not taking any risks. And the thing is, that ultimately came off as a little bit hollow to me, because throughout the movie, Dale isn't taking any risks. He's constantly trying to get back into the comfort zone of being with the rescue rangers, and because that is what worked for him in the past, and so that's what's working with him now. Even the big slicked-up CGI makeover that he got is, well, it's something of a safe bet, because that's where most of the m most successful cartoon characters are going in uh, the modern animation scene. Case in point, the opening at the convention where he sees Baloo as he's still being recognized as for his work on um, the cartoon Tailspin, and we just see him as the live-action version, which, you know, you've followed me long enough, and I know, and, and you probably know my views on the live-action Disney remake, so we'll just keep that to a minimum and just say how unappealing a lot of the live-action designs are, and, you know, Dale is kind of no exception. Again, as I got into earlier in the podcast. But if I had to nail down the biggest problem for me with this movie, the, the one thing that kept me from liking it very much... It's not the instances of double dipping or the noticeable lack of focus on the Rescue Rangers as a whole or, you know, having it be pretty much the Chip and Dale show guest starring the, the Rescue Rangers. The biggest thing that kept me from liking this movie was that in terms of the story that they're trying to tell of, you know, the whole we're getting the band back together story, I felt like it couldn't pick a lane in that regard. I feel, I think that if the movie was just one rewrite away from being a lot better, I would have made the decision to either 
have the rescue rangers exist in this world of tunes as you know these as the team of the rescue rangers as they exist in the world of film either make them real or just completely commit to having them be actors in a project and the movie itself tries to have it kind of both ways like they establish that this is that they are um actors playing uh, the rescue rangers but when they get on through their uh through the ultimate mystery of the movie trying to figure out what's happening uh with uh sweet pete and everything it's it, it comes i feel like it would have been much stronger if if the rescue rangers existed as the rescue rangers and not actors that way it, it would help us relate more to dale and wanting to get everyone back together again rather than just wanting to be a part of another movie project that may not work and it's kind of established in the movie that dale has been a part of a couple of independent projects that just haven't gone anywhere and i feel like from a story standpoint the movie should have been either more like the Muppets or more like Galaxy Quest in that in, in that regard. If you kind of catch my drift, in that where the Muppets exist as a unit in the universe, or um, as the actors in Galaxy Quest being actors and just getting swept up on an adventure, the movie is kind of leaning in a Galaxy Quest direction. But I feel I I think it would have been stronger if the Rescue Rangers existed as a unit instead of as actors or even then trying to have it both ways maybe a bit better establish that the rescue rangers do exist and that the show was kind of like a like like it started out as like a documentary as sort of chasing them around and seeing how they do their thing but it was just because they're animated uh it was received as like a silly cartoon but with all that said, there are still moments of the movie that I did like, various gags that got a smile out of me, and um, I definitely loved the mixing of animation in the movie. And on, 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 the t on the subject of the animation, there's a constant criticism that this is kind of like Space Jam 2, where it's like looking at all of these characters that have their own... Uh, shows and movies that are featured on Disney Plus, and I don't quite agree. One, because Space Jam 2 is a awful, terrible movie, and two, I feel like the cameos that exist in this movie have much more variety to them than can just be found on the Disney Plus app. Because we see appearances from people like, you know, MC Scat Cat and um, pastiches of uh, like Image Movers characters. Uh, the My Little Pony crew gets a walk on. It has more to say about, you know, just the amount of cartoons that are out there um, in the world rather than just a cheap marketing ploy to see, hey, come and see this on Disney+. Plus even though there is now a banner on Disney Plus at the time of recording of all of these characters, of, of uh, a list, it's a playlist where it says, you know, these characters had cameos in Chip and Dale, and it's all of these projects. So, you know, that's a thing, I guess. But in the end, I would say I didn't like this movie. I didn't hate it, 
but it just didn't quite click for me. And it's kind of a shame because on paper, I should be on board with this, but in the end, didn't quite do it for me. But that doesn't mean it's like the worst thing ever. This is, this is not a live action Disney remake. Heavens, no. But in the end, I would say good effort, but just didn't quite do it for me. And everyone else. Um, if you're willing, if you're able to look past, first of all, if you're able to look past the elephant in the room, obviously, um, and if you're willing to look past the various confusing inconsistencies of the world building, um, it's a fun time. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's okay. my take on it. Uh, it's definitely, definitely if you're one of those people who for some reason just Meta humor is the worst thing in the world for you. You're not going to like it. I don't understand that kind of mindset, but uh, you know, to each their own. Um, but if you enjoyed like Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping, uh, it's definitely a, a pretty good version of a PG rated version of that with cartoon characters, um, basically, is how I would describe this movie. Uh, and okay. of course, it's the same people, which is the reason I brought it up in the first place. Um, Yes, I'm not really familiar with most of the Lonely Island stuff, except some of their, you know, early SNL stuff. So I wouldn't know how this compares to other stuff. But as what it is, it's very entertaining. I wouldn't say it's a great film, but it's a very, very good film. I didn't know if I would like it or not, but it grew on me. And I'm glad that it did not... All of the critical reviews, which were positives, uh, made it seem like it was just going to be wall-to-wall -wall references, cameos, and inside uh, animation jokes. And I'm glad it wasn't. I think. And, cameo, and when there are cameos, they're funny. It's an important thing to me. Yes. Um, I, I, again, as I said, the whole film is kind of a meta commentary on whether or not reboots are necessary and whether or not they can be good um but i i thought chip and dale's relationship even though it isn't it isn't really deep or meaningful but then again it isn't really supposed to be it's truly the heart of the film which is which is what makes it enjoyable besides all the silly jokes there were a number of goofy jokes that made me laugh out loud some of which i mentioned which i would have liked to have seen more of but it's a very enjoyable time and you can nitpick it from here to Kingdom Come as we were, but again, it's sort of the film that doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time manages to somehow be both reverent and irreverent at the same time, poking fun at the absurdities of the cartoon world while also being a faithful homage slash reboot of these characters. Well, I think you summed it up better than I ever could. This movie is just a ton of fun. If you can just, you know... Turn, if you can turn off the cynical part of your brain and just enjoy it, you'll have so much fun with this. It, you know, it, it, it's like the people that are, well, specifically one person that's like, you know, trying to nitpick why, um, you know, Cosmic Rewind doesn't fit in with the canon of the rest of the MCU, even though, like, none of the Marvel theme park rides actually fit in with the canon, but also, like, it doesn't matter. Just have fun with it. It's a good time. Yeah, you know, it's just a good time. He sure is really upset about this. I I don't understand that, and he, he's still on it. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Yeah, it's I not worth it. Him because I was tired of. It. 
I'm like, I'm tired of this. This is such a video. It's like, I want to break out the the Clippy um, gif. Is this really a hill you want to die on? Bluey was not in this movie. (laughs) I think this movie is not as good as Roger Rabbit. You know how hard but it would I think... be to make a movie that's as good as Roger Rabbit? Oh, well, yeah, exactly. This movie is not as good as Roger Rabbit, but I think it is more batshit insane than Roger Rabbit. Just what they what they it's, went out and were actually able to do. Part of the reason Roger Rabbit works as its own thing is because uh, it's more grounded when it's right. on the real world aspect. Right. And for juxtaposition between this serious film noir and these silly cartoon characters. Whereas this movie takes the stance of, well, the whole world's insane now, so let's just go nuts. Yeah. Roger Rabbit and is I'm very... into nuts. So there we go. <laughs> Roger Rabbit is very much a film about a human making his way into the cartoon world and very much eventually accepting it for what it is. Whereas this film is about cartoon characters trying to cope in the real world. And and uh, again, Roger Rabbit is its own thing. It's a masterpiece. Um, there will never be another film like it. And no one should ever try to make one. Um, but this film is good in what it sets out to do, which is to be a very silly homage to a certain type of film and a certain type of animated series and it it wears its heart on its sleeve but it also has its tongue firmly in its cheek and it manages to uh mix the two together well yeah definitely um does anyone have anything they want to plug uh, who wants to go first um do you want to go first okay um i have a youtube channel where i make cartoons thematically appropriately enough um, called fire blast studios i also run a podcast called a a podcast of my own called the emperor's new podcast where i explore everything basically related on the emperor's new guru franchise we recently had all had our 50th episode in which i and luke ski then the great luke ski talked about the first episode of the disney plus original series sketchbook check that out i also currently am writing I'm taking a break from it at the moment, but when I feel like it, I'll get back into it and post it on the podcast Twitter at podcast P-E-N-P, a uh, Emperor's New Groove fan comic called uh, Molina Inca Reporter. So uh, again, I'm posting that pages for that when I get them done on the podcast Twitter at podcast P-E-N-P. If you want to find my so- my main on Twitter, that's at Micah Hurst on Twitter. Okay. I basically tweet about whatever I feel like tweeting about, which is often uh, animation and entertainment news and observations in general at RW Mead. I also run two separate Twitter accounts. I run the official Phineas and Ferb Wiki Twitter account, which is at PNF underscore Wiki, where we share what some of the folks who used to work on Phineas and Ferb are up to nowadays, as well as also some unusual observations as well as references to the show and the media. And I also personally run an account which is part role play, part news updates for Nickelodeon's The Loud House and The Casa Grandes, which is at Loud Ramblings. Yay, Loud Ramblings. 
As always, you can find me on Twitter at dgill2295, and there you'll see that I have recently wrapped up my uh, Christmas present, namely the live tweet of Pete's Dragon. And spoiler warning, I kind of ended up enjoying it, so go ahead and give that a read, and feel free to follow if you... Uh, so desire. I also have a gaming clip show on YouTube called D Gaming. Uh, you can look it up on my YouTube channel, uh, D Gilvids. That's D G I L V I D S. And of course, I just launched uh, a brand new TikTok for myself. Uh, you can find my account at D Gil underscore D G one seven two two and watch me. Uh, do some funny dances and maybe have some open-end videos and maybe some movie reviews coming soon. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled on that. Also, I have a... Uh, <clears throat> also, there is a brand new video coming from my good buddy Aaron the Wolf where he and I talk at length about the brand new Sonic movie. So be sure to check that out at Aaron's channel. Just type in uh, Aaron the Wolf, that's A-R-I-N, the Wolf, on YouTube, and hopefully that will be up soon. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97, as well as this podcast at Ad Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I'm now available on iHeartRadio and Audible. Leave us a review, give us five stars, and share us with your friends. I've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show, Theme Park Backlot, on my YouTube channel. I also visited a whole bunch of parks across the Midwest last summer, and I'm slowly working on getting those vlogs finished. If you want to support me even more, be sure to check out my new and improved Patreon! That's right, I actually have a Patreon again. Patreon.com slash Starport97. Just a dollar a month gets you early access to new episodes of this podcast one day early, and new videos at least one week early. Sometimes more if I... Haven't finished the next one quite on time. And be sure to join us next time when we cover the Bob's Burgers movie, right here on the podcast without a cool acronym. Stop singing the song. The fans are hungry for it. Japan Day.